Welcome to From the Table. We are back this week. Brian is back Yippee, from, the two, from the two-week okay. absence. I'm finally here. Oh, man. It's been, it's been a while. It's been, a, it's been well, I guess two weeks. Uh, have, three weeks, actually. I have fulfilled your promise yeah. when you talk about the week before that he'll be here. Yeah, he'll be here. I finally he'll, he'll, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> this week we have Reverend Sam Chambers on the show this week. Welcome. Hello. Welcome. Glad up. to be here. Yeah. No, no audio. This is real clapping. Oh, yeah. Real clap. All righty. Well, we're here to talk today about uh, UTM Wesley and how he got here. So, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Reverend Sam Chambers. Uh, Sam, tell us what would you like to be called if in a perfect world? What would be the name? Oh, that's a good oh, wow. name. Wow. You know, I've been called many things, but I never really got to be asked what I want to be called. Um, <laughs> Do you remember in grade school, did you ever have a teacher that would say, okay, uh, say, like maybe it's your full name, Samuel. Samuel Chambers, okay, and what do you, would you like to be called, Samuel? You know, this is drawing back a lot of layers and memories. <laughs> I remember a moment in elementary school where I thought I could come up with my own nickname. Oh, man. And I came up oh, with my man. own nickname, and it was around the time we were signing yearbooks. Like this was oh, elementary school yearbooks, okay. and so you know, you you think like, <laughs> oh, this is yeah. what people are really going to yes, remember yeah, me like yeah, fifty yeah. years into the future. <laughs> so you know, and then you know, some time has passed since then. So let's right. say you know, twenty five years from now, people are going to be flipping back to their elementary yearbook and say. <laughs> yeah. Who is the fox? Yeah, the fox. <laughs> you know? The fox. the fox. The fox. That's awesome. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I wanted to be called Oreo. Okay. Oreo. I mean, okay. No idea. No <laughs> idea what happened there. I like Oreos. There. Oreo. Oh, yeah, Oreos are awesome. Oreo. Yeah. I Everybody just calls me Hammy. Hammy? Yeah, just short for Hamilton. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yes. at, at school, everybody just calls me Hammy. Okay. Either that or Hamilton, so yeah. either, either one, so. And his brother's a Cod Ham. Cod Ham, yeah. Okay. Weeks ago. Yeah. All the nicknames. Well, today, we're going we're gonna to break down, we're going to, as Sam said, we're going to peel back the layers of who yeah. Sam Chambers Yeah. Is. And, uh, or, or excuse me, who Fox is. Yeah, who Fox uh, no, is. Let's <laughs> just go with Sam. <laughs> what, does, what does the Fox say? What does the Fox say? Oh, man. What does the Fox say? So, tell us a bit about who Sam is and what you would do in a typical week. Okay. Uh, who Sam is. I'd like to think myself as funny, but, <laughs> you know, that's probably an acquired taste as well. If your um, nickname's Fox. You got, you got a little humor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But oh, it yeah. didn't land. Got to. Got to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the follow-up question to that was, who is the fox? Um, <laughs> and I thought, you know, well, because I'm cunning. And so I guess maybe, <laughs> again, continuing along this line, um, so maybe funny in some regards, uh, and I tend to like to keep it on an intellectual level. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm one of those people that when you ask who is Sam Chambers? You know, oh well, who are any one of us? Um, how could we uh, take this, you know, in an existential way? And who are we really? And what is the nature of truth? Let's go as far as we Really? Yes, yes. I mean, we could do that. I don't know how long you guys can do this, but I mean, we right. we could keep you know this thing rolling for another yeah. four or five hours. Oh yeah, definitely. What the Guinness record is for the longest podcast? Yeah, we could do that. We could do that. Legend um, says it's still going. <laughs> what an SD card, by the way. Where's yeah, I know. That's going to be crazy. Kind of 
That's got to be insane amount of gigabytes on that thing. Oh, my word. I, yeah, it'd probably become terabytes at that point. Yeah. And we've lost most of our listeners at That's this point. <laughs> so what, what's a typical week for Sam? Typical week. Uh, so a big part of Wesley is just engaging um, you know, I like to think of Wesley as a soft place to land, and so a typical week for me is just having an open office door where I've got students mm-hmm. coming in and out, um, creating those one-on-one conversations. Yeah. Um, right. You know, that can just be general conversations about life and about school. We can talk sports, how the Rams did last night, or <laughs> how the Bengals did not, or how the refs just really messed that up. Um, you know, we, we can talk about that, or we can talk about just, you know, the meaning of life in sort of that existential way. But usually usually it turns around, what is God doing in my life this week, today, yeah. right. this lifetime? Yeah. So um, that's, that's a big part of my work day is just sort of having those open-door office conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some programming stuff. I'm sure we'll get into that later in the podcast, but, you know, in terms of other aspects of life, um, you know, we've got, um, I say we because I'm married, um, yeah. so my All wife, right. Melissa, and I, um, we have two daughters, and between uh, 18-month-old and a uh, five-year-old, our life is pretty well yeah. scheduled for us. Yeah. Um, from about 4.30 in the morning to about 7 o'clock at night, we uh-huh. we work on their schedule. So right. um, that that is our life. Between work and the girls, That that is what schedules our days. And you would, would you say that because um, the way you defined your kind of the week within the UCM Wesley being a little more, uh, though I'm sure you have tasks to complete, but like a little more flexible, that it feels like a balance for your day where you're going to be much more uh, rigid, or not rigid, but just scheduled for the sake of your kids? Yes. So I keep set office hours, um, and a lot of those kind of conversations are scheduled um, with our student council, they have a weekly one-on-one yeah. where they come in and they check in about their responsibilities, what they need to be doing, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but those conversations always begin with and end with a concept of, you know, what's going on. Right. A deep, you know, again, the, the deeper question implicit that what is what is God doing in your life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really is a spiritual direction relationship, and that's a formal one. Um, the other side of that is the informal one. Um, mm-hmm. The, sorry, the informal, um, and the informal aspect is just having those key off open office hours. Um, you know, some, there are some ways that we creatively think about structuring that. Um, the Wesley students are really into puzzles right now. We've got like a 3,000-piece puzzle. So if okay. you, again, we can keep this thing rolling. We can go over and really get some work done on that, on that puzzle. Um, and if you've ever done 3,000-piece puzzle with giraffes and cheetahs, um, Oh, I bet yeah. that lasts a long time. You know, similar colors, similar oh. colors lots of spots. Oh, yeah. Genetically designed to evade Ooh. detection. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got that. Um, so if, if that's in your wheelhouse, we're yeah. definitely recruiting. Oh, sure. mm. We're recruiting help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want like a team of three tackling that thing. Yeah. My word. A big team. A whole football team. But we'll take it because, you know, that's. We quickly drift from 
oh my goodness, is this a cheetah's toe or an eyeball or a nose? <laughs> um, to, you know, again, those same sorts of questions about what's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, right. How are your relationships? How's school going? Um, how are folks back at home? You know, where are you in terms of your study? Um, where are you in just in terms of just the direction of life? So Right. And, and things like that, like, like doing uh, puzzles or, uh, you know, we played games last mm-hmm. week. Yeah. Uh, doing this podcast, you know, other things, things that you can find, I guess, com- more common ground. There's like no, like, prerequisite, you know, of knowledge you need other than just being here. Do you feel like that kind of sets the ground level for conversations? Definitely. About a little more deep, whether it's theological, philosophical, or just, just questions of life. Yes, yes. Um, so uh, Amanda and I have shared many deep conversations together, and, and one of the folks that we like to talk a lot about is a psychologist by the name Carl Jung. Um, and Carl Jung famously said, your hands can figure out the problem before your mind does. Mm. And so mm. something like a puzzle, you're doing something with your hands and you're actually working kinesthetically. That's a fancy yeah. word we yeah. can insert in the podcast. <laughs> word for the day, <laughs> check. Um, but you can kinesthetically work on that problem and it allows your brain, your spirit, that space, that freedom to creatively engage in ways and solutions that you may not have ever thought about. Sure. Hmm. Yeah. So it, mm-hmm. it is a fascinating way to do ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've done ministry in other settings, uh, the more formalized church setting. Um, this is, is very different from that, and, you know, I'm still learning and, mm-hmm. and still open to continue to learn, but I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit how you got here. It's kind of like your story, I guess, in a way, how you became the reverend at UTM Wesley. Got it. Um, so I understand there are two questions in that, how you became the reverend and how you became, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how how you became, became to, to UTM yeah. Wesley. Yeah. Um, so I guess my journey really began um, in high school. I had a really serious relationship with God. Um, I was very fortunate to be raised in a home where church was a big priority. Um, reading the Bible was was something that my parents practiced and encouraged. Um, so I remember reading the Bible cover to cover all the way through. Um, that's not something that I just sort of drop in casual mm-hmm. conversation right. either. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not like a, just a blanket recommendation. You know, you, you do want to ease into that <laughs> right, thing. Right, right, right. Um, but yes, um, you know, the Bible's a big part of, of, of my past and, and my connection to God. And so, you know, I had a really great youth group dynamic. We, we did a lot of stuff together. It was a huge social um, connection for me. Mm-hmm. In fact, mm-hmm. um, my parents made some, some intentional decisions to make sure that my sister, I've got a, a younger sister, is three years younger than I am, but my parents made some intentional decisions when we were approaching that high school age to ensure that we were surrounded by a youth group that would be a good social influence on us. And so that's really how we wound up in the Methodist Church was that youth group connection. Um, you know, fast forward a few years, and I'm in uh, college now, and for the first time in my life, I get to make that that critical decision: where yeah, are you yeah, going to yeah. call your own spiritual home? And for me, I, I you know I did a um, I won't say a whole lot, but you know I did enough searching around campus life. Um, and found a congregation, United Methodist congregation, that that I really connected with. Um, and I stuck with that. Um, later when I was dating 
um, the person who would become my wife when I was dating Melissa, we would spend Sundays together by going to church together. And it was a cool part of our relationship um, to see her baptized. You know, she wasn't entirely raised in, in, in sort of that same kind of environment. And so uh, relationship to the church um, was was formative for both of us in that respect. And to, to see her um, in our relationship grow and develop alongside her relationship with God um, was pretty something unique and special. Um, you know, when it when we finally graduated and, and moved off and, and did our own thing, again, that same sort of question about where we would settle came up, um, and we found another church home that, that was very similar to what we expected and what we had grown accustomed to in college and graduate school um, in the new place that we were calling home, Murray, Kentucky. And... Um, you know, we just we just liked the place. It was really um, it was it was all of the things that we were looking for in a church home, yeah. um, and I know that that's different for each and every person. But we felt at home in that place and really liked the pastor. And one Sunday he sneaks up behind me, and I say sneaks because you know <laughs> Rick Dye is a very sneaky person. But, um, you know, at like six five, he's sne- he's he's sne- he sneaks yeah. up behind me and he says, so I hear you have this degree in, in, in theology. And I said, yes, it is true. Um, word got out and word got out fast in a small, small town of Murray, Kentucky. But um, <laughs> he said, you know, you can, you can preach, you can do things with this degree. And at the time, I was, I was trying to um, figure out what I wanted to do with that degree. And, and, and I thought the teaching route might, might lend some possibilities, but... Um, Rick sort of steered me in the direction of the church and, and serving the church in a way that I had not necessarily contemplated up to that point. And, you know, that really was how I got connected into to Methodism and to preaching, how I became the reverend. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was it was all because of Rick. Uh, so I, I lay all the blame at his feet for, for so many, for so many <laughs> things. Um, and we've teased each other about that many times. Um you know, I spent about seven years making the circuits um, there in Callaway County in Western Kentucky. I did uh, a two-point charge for three years. I worked with Rick as associate at Murray for a year, and then I went to um, Paducah in uh, the Lone Oak United Methodist Church for three years. And things were clicking on all cylinders. We were doing great. Um, I say we because Melissa was enjoying that. Um, we love the congregations that we worked with. Um, we found ourselves in a nice rhythm between home and church and her work, um, and everything was going swimmingly. And we had our first daughter, and it was great because when, you know, I, I joked with somebody uh, about this when you have the first child, you can lay them down for a nap and you know where they're at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when you have the second one that they're on two different nap schedules, they're on two different everything. <laughs> Two different diets, two different potty <laughs> schedules. I mean, it just it, it it complicates life. And I remember having that moment after we brought um, Juliana, our second daughter, home, and I turned to Melissa and I go, "Oh my goodness, there's two of them." <laughs> and you know, just sort of that was a germ of a thought that led to a whole lot of reflection and thought. Um, up to that point, I'd spent a lot of time working at church, um, working my job and enjoyed all of that, Um, but I also quickly realized my daughter, uh, my older daughter, Emma Grace, 
um, was four and she was just about turned five and she's quickly approaching kindergarten and after kindergarten elementary school and after elementary school high school and dating and college and it's like ah oh um (laughs) so i realized if i don't take in and soak up what what's happening right in front of me right now that i'm gonna suddenly look up and not have any children in the house and so um, i had a conversation with melissa i had a conversation with my pastor that is my district superintendent and, you know, just shared with both of them what I was feeling. And Melissa was f- in full support. She said, you know, I'm, I'm here to support you no matter what. And my district superintendent said, your head is in the right place. You need to be there, support your family. So, um, you know, my district superintendent um, did his part in, in terms of, of being able to approach um, the bishop and the cabinet and again, this is where we can go real deep, real fast. But yeah, um, yeah. part of the the Methodist um, idea is that as pastors, um, Amanda and I, uh, Brother Randy, Brother Rick, uh, we all live in this appointative system where, um, and again, I'm, I'm jumping over a lot of things really fast here, but we are sent. Um, the bishop sends us to places. Um, if there's an opening, uh, the bishop, he or she, right now we have uh, Bishop Mal- Bill McAlilly, but Bishop McAlilly sends people to those to those openings based on the best fit. Right. And, uh, and that's, you know, the best fit for the church and the best fit for the pastor. And again, armed with, uh, I guess say armed, that's not really the best <laughs> word, but informed, informed with where I was at. My district superintendent approached the bishop and, and just sort of said, you know, Look, Sam is in this place with a young family. Um, he's looking to be uh, somewhere where he can spend time with his yeah. with his children while they're right. young. And uh, graciously, the the bishop um, received that information and said, "You know, look, there is this opening at Wesley. It will involve doing ministry with college students. How do you feel about that?" And you know, I was uh, I was honest and I said, "I don't know what to think. I've I've never done that sort of thing, yeah. but I'm open to it." And I'm always open to growing and to, to doing ministry in, in new and creative ways. And it has been a fun ride ever since. Yeah. Um, we had the girls there from the very beginning, our very first Sunday um, at Wesley. And Emma Grace just fell in love with the place immediately because it had a pool table and a ping pong table. <laughs> and it's got, everything. Oh, it's yeah. got the it's right got... size stairs for Juliana. That's so she true. has learned about yeah. stairs yeah. in a safe and, yeah. en- you know, that's a safe environment to learn about stairs. Um, and it has just been a fun, fun place for, for me to be a dad and at the same time to be a pastor. And so I just love that. I love the fact that right. I can be my whole self in ministry at that space and in this time, this very particular season in our lives. So, Well, and particularly at like a small town, you, and I don't, I don't know what Im- immigration, what, what's your younger child? Juliana. Juliana would say, but... Uh, having a place that uh, dad's connected to that isn't a congregation full of so many, you know, so many generations of people mm-hmm. and, and kind of having like a home base that's rooted in college students, I imagine that's pretty cool to like oh, yeah. grow up a little bit in. Yes. I, you know, she definitely loves Wesley and she loves the students there. She talks about them, in fact, a couple of days ago, we were doing Valentine's Day cards for the students at Wesley. Um, but uh, she, 
that is definitely her spiritual home. She yeah. identifies with them and asks about them, and they ask about her. Short story, if we've got time. Sure. Um, oh, yeah. We were hanging out at Wesley uh, the last weekend um, with the ice storm and everything, and it was literally less than two minutes, and um, I realized things had gotten quiet, and I turned to immigration. I said, I need to go find Juliana. Do you know where she's at? Oh, man. Um, and I go and I round the corner, and there is our youngest daughter that looks just like me, smiling at me with two permanent Sharpies. In oh, hand. man. She had been coloring on a piece of paper, and I was like, oh, that's not too bad. Yeah. You know, she got <laughs> off the paper a little bit, and then I look, yeah. there it's on the wall. Oh, oh. maybe nobody will see that because yeah. really you don't walk by that. And then I look down, oh, she's colored all over the chair. Oh, <laughs> oh no. And so I start oh, scrubbing, man. and it's not coming up. And, you know, sort of at this point, I'm thinking, oh, they're college students. Maybe they won't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Melissa comes in, and I say, uh, look what your daughter did. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in that moment, um, it was it was just sort of a moment of vulnerability, but acceptance of, you know, this is what it is. It's college ministry, and we've got kids. Um, hey. And, you know, a couple days went by last week, and I didn't hear anything, and I thought, yes, we've sailed right through. They won't notice. You know, they'll blame somebody else. Oh, it was that other student. And then I get a text message, baby Picasso. Baby oh, Picasso has struck Wesley, and that is what they now refer to Juliana as Baby Picasso. <laughs> so, anyways, Picasso. long story short, they did able college students are creative, and I, they teach me stuff. And I didn't realize this, but it's helpful for everybody to know. So maybe this will change somebody's life. Do you know that you can take off Sharpie, permanent Sharpie, with a little bit of hand sanitizer? That's a new thing for me, Probably and found so it on TikTok. I feel much more educated this week because of that. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. There, we had a big, uh, we used to have a, a whiteboard in one of our rooms upstairs. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember that, yeah, over here. It had stuff all over it, and, <laughs> and I couldn't get it off, and I was like, I don't know, we didn't have any solution, we didn't have clean right. solution, so I was like, how am I going to get this off, and... We did have, and this was pre-COVID, okay? We had a bottle of uh, sanitizer in the room. And I was like, alcohol? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, did. I just squirted a bunch of those, you know, those, like, brown uh, uh, pieces of, like, uh, like paper towel. They're, like, yeah. terrible absorbing moisture. Yeah. So you just grab a bunch of them. And I just sprayed a bunch of hand sanitizer all over it, and I found out. Yeah. It takes a little more work, but it'll come off. It'll <laughs> yes. Smells great. Yes. Very clean. Very. <laughs> the things you find the things in, in on the internet or yes. in life yes. with anybody, I swear. I remember uh, when you said, you know, that she kind of got to decorate how she wanted to, the, the chair and the wall and stuff. I remember we the, the this church had just gotten new carpet. Mm. And I was, I, in my office, I have a... Frankenstein light switch. So it's got the whole handle thing, and you bring it down, and there's a little clip that hits the switch, and you bring it down, and it turns off, and the same way you turn it back on. And I was installing it, and there was this little clip uh, that wouldn't wouldn't let the uh, light switch cover go back into the wall. So I was sh- I got my knife out and I was shaving it. Oh. And I, you know you got resistance on it, trying to shave it off, and I wasn't paying attention to where my finger was. And I oh, no. 
and this was on a, a Monday Thursday. I was I, I went to the Wesleyan. Oh night. no! Went to the Wesleyan that night for Holy Thursday service, and uh, I bandaged it up. I was like, I don't care. I'm just gonna wrap all. You know, like I bet I had thirty rotations <laughs> of bandage over. Oh my word! And uh, and I got I got out of it and I, I unraveled it, and then immediately it just started gushing. Oh. And the reason I told that, I skipped over the part I should have said, I was bleeding all over the new carpet floor. There are hints of red in the carpet. Still. Yes, I'm sure there's a stain in there, but I could never see it. And (laughs) I don't know how, because it was profusely coming out. (laughs) I had to end up getting like six stitches in that finger. Jeez. uh, Yeah, no, I've made my mark too. Yeah. On church property. Oh, man. <laughs> me, me and uh, Juliana have, have something in common. Just that just that story. That I'm, just... Story of staining. Yeah, really staining. I really interject here. I want to see how the Monday Thursday went. You know, I mean, if you're oh, profusely yeah. bleeding, that, that, that sort of sets the stage for a really in-depth conversation about what's <laughs> happening at the cup there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, what, and what did we participate in? A, a, a tradition of a Holy Thursday service, the washing of the feet. <laughs> so I did not use that hand. No. Okay. Oh, uh, boy. If I had, oh, could you imagine? Oh, my word. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. People thought, people probably thought you put your whole hand in the, in the, in the blood and communion or something. They would have been like, water into wine? John, John chapter 3? No, we're past this. Yeah. <laughs> Why is this happening? Oh, my word. <laughs> Any other funny stories? <laughs> no, not, not nothing that goes more deep and philosophical than those. Yeah. You know, that's all I have. <laughs> what about you, Caden? Have you, have you yes. Oh, uh, I don't know. That's Have you put your stain that's a that's a that's left a. Your mark? I I'm, me me I don't know. I I really haven't done anything. I don't know. My mom could probably say something otherwise. I, it, it, here, oh my gosh! Like, oh yeah, my yeah. He'd be he'd be like, oh no, I remember the time Kaden did this, but no, I remember I remember him actually. Oh. He he would he would oh my word, he would he would always. Use like a crayon or a colored pencil or something. When he was like, I don't know how old, maybe two years old, three years old, something like that, maybe. We should have said when he was twelve. Yeah, when he was twelve. Yeah, when he was like, like this was yesterday, guys. We get to make stories up. Yes, but he was like, he was like really young or something like that, and he would always take a colored pencil, a marker or something, and just write somewhere. It doesn't matter where it was. It was either on the wall, it was on the couch, how it was. How many times do you think ball, ballpark it? How many, how many times do you think he did this? Oh, I don't know. Shoo. Sixty. Uh, yeah, what felt like, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, he would always. He'd be the one that would always write everywhere. He wouldn't write on paper. He wrote on the table one time that we had. That uh, we had like a little kid table or something. He'd write. He wrote on that. We probably still have it too. Um, <laughs> He, I mean, he wrote on everything when he was a child. I don't remember. Refused paper. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Right. And then there's also a time I remember. I was in sixth grade here. I don't think I stained anything. Uh-huh. I don't even think you were here as a youth I minister. I think it was probably first semester. Yeah. I was here. You know, we had lifeboat. We used to have lifeboat here. It's like a. It's like an after school. Yeah, on Wednesdays. Okay. 
It used to happen every Wednesday, and we'd come up here to the youth uh, floor and just hang out pretty much and do, like, homework and stuff, all that. And so we'd go – the first thing we did when we came in the building, we'd always go up to the second floor, and we always go in – yeah, that back, back room back, over there, back back, back back down and get some food or something like that. So obviously we prayed and we prayed for our food and we went in the line to get something, okay? Well, this is where it gets interesting, okay? So we get, or I get to the drinks, I get obviously sweet tea because sweet tea, I can't, I can't live without sweet tea. I love sweet tea. All right? It's in this picture, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I kid you not. I take this picture, I try to pour it, and <laughs> half of it dumps out onto the floor. Ooh. Half of it dumps out onto the floor. It's all on me. Ooh. I don't know what to do after that. I'm just sitting there in my drenched-out polo and khakis, and I'm just sitting there with a whole bunch of sweet tea on me. I am wearing sweet tea at this point. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It, it looked like there was a flood in there. Oh, my word. I was like. Why did I do this? Why did why did I not just use two hands? Yeah, I used one hand. I was like, I was holding it up. I wasn't. I didn't even put like the drink on the counter or anything. I just, I just took the pitcher and was I. Was it in like just a regular like if you got a gallon of sweet tea at Walmart? Was it in a gallon jug? Oh no 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 no! This was in a pitcher kind of did deal. Did your top come off or? Well, you underestimated the flow capacity. I, I, yeah, I underestimated the flow capacity, mm. and then I kind of, I kind of dropped it a little bit too. Yeah. Some of it was saved. Some of it was saved, but I kid you not, it looked like a flood in there, and I was like, "What did I just and that, do?" And that, my friends, is why we don't carpet youth rooms. Yes, <laughs> that is the whole reason why. Right. That's why we. That's probably why we took out this one. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what you got one? I carpet. Not carpet. You kidding me? It might. It might be. Co- it might be comfortable, but it, it'll stain easily. <laughs> it it'll. Yeah, it'll stain easily. That is the pro. Oh yeah. For sure. Well. All our stories happened on church properties. Oh, yeah. Any kind of church property. Yeah. Wesley, here, anywhere. Stain, stain insurance. Yeah, stain Just, insurance yeah. is a big one. Written in the policy. Yeah, <laughs> probably at this point. Oh, my word. Well, y'all got anything else? Well, I did want to, I did have a, a two uh, questions that uh, popped up in my head while you were talking, Sam. One was you said that particularly your uh, attraction in the church uh, and your appreciation, your family's appreciation came from uh, your involvement in youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us what were some, what were some of, what would you define as like the environment or as like the, the parts of that, uh, of that church's youth group uh, that, that led you to be just so drawn to the, just to be yourself and, and to, and to explore who you were and and to just kind of find a, a home within that youth group? Um, so I guess if I had to summarize it up in one word, it would be authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, that youth group was the first space um, that I found where I could be myself alongside other students, friends, um, that we all were trying to figure out this thing of life together. And we went to class together. We went to school together. Um, but 
there was there was just sort of this freedom that we recognized each of us are different and have our own differences um, and uniqueness, and that was pretty special just to sort of be able to recognize that uniqueness and also um, not define each other in a cookie cutter kind of way. Like mm-hmm. we could be right. in, indiv- yeah. and we were um, just the way um, our our community broke down. We had um, a private school and, and, and a couple of different public school systems. And so we had students that were coming from three different school systems. And we were all over the map in terms of our home life and, and our just our socioeconomics and our politics and just life in general. And yet we could all meet up at our church and worship alongside each other and engage each other in conversation. We could talk about God. We could talk about football. Luckily, our football team was pretty crappy at the time. <laughs> I don't even know if I can say that. Um, but, well, yeah, th- th- this this rule they won't remain that. But um, <laughs> they weren't trying very hard. They were. They were. God bless them. Um, and, and you know, our band was really great. So there was something to, worth going to see at the football oh, yeah. games. Um, but uh, ooh, um, nevertheless, we just had an amazing time and an amazing space to discover ourselves. And I think also in a way that just sort of prefigured um, and, and was formative for me, that was a space where I could, as part of discovering who I am, also discover God in the same space. Yeah. Um, my youth leader was very adamant about putting us up, um, in, you know, because we had our worship services on Wednesday nights. So we got to, you know, preach on Wednesday nights. Um, the folks listening to this can't see the scare quotes behind preach, but, um, (laughs) and I, I say scare quotes because it it was probably very scary. Um, you know, it it was very awkward. Um, introduction to public speaking. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. And we were lucky if we had three points, you know, the, the, the main ideas there. Right. Um, but, you know, it was in a supportive community, and we were all trying to figure this thing out together, and it was, it was just amazing. I really do um, look back on that time in my life fondly yeah. because n- nothing was perfect, nothing was ideal, but everything was there um, just sort of in a, in a state that allowed me to continue to grow and to develop. It's kind of like a seed. Um, a lot of times in the church, we, we use that image of a right. seed. Mm-hmm. Um, that moment in my youth, um, I can see and look back that there were, there was a lot of seeds planted at that moment, yeah. um, things that I didn't see fruit for for another 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. So. That's really cool. You know, that a lot of people share that story. Um, I, I would have, you know, connecting dots or, or finding out the planting of seeds uh, I, I would have said when I was in youth, mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that would have been probably my story. That's where I would have uh, originated it back to, you know, where I kind of fell in love with, with the um, dynamics of church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I had the same youth minister going from uh, eighth grade on. Caden mm-hmm. uh, had the same youth minister up up till, up till. Uh, halfway point of your sixth grade year, yeah, right? yeah, um, and 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 that that absolutely was a play because it's different. I don't know what it is. It's just youth ministry is like this. It 
And, and, and children's ministry, you know, has its own thing too. And then it just shifts. It's a weird, it's like, yeah. I don't know what, it, well, and you're, and you're shifting as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes. in the, in that year, particularly sixth to seventh grade, but also just through teenage years. Yeah. And, and Caden, you're on the, the end of it. Here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm on the, and, and, and looking at how much you've changed, mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in the years I've known you and, and all of us can say that how, how our minds shift. And mm-hmm. our perspectives shift, and they'll keep shifting. You know, <laughs> right? There's this—I uh, don't know. It's like this, this, like this ground in, particularly pre-adolescence to adolescence, that it's like you have to create space where people get to wonder. Yes. Things. Yeah. Yes. And I think that that drives the really uniqueness of the culture of what is youth ministry or mm-hmm. what is just life as a teenager right um, and I, yeah i i too I, I would just agree i think that that's the the big point because i think it was so unique it is so unique it's really unique. in your life yeah that, that mm-hmm. it's like if you're if you're having to go back it's like yeah i remember yeah i remember i remember that yeah yeah <laughs> but i remember spaces where i had never even thought about you know dialoguing about something yes uh, mm-hmm. or being really uncomfortable about going to a topic that somehow youth ministry allows that topic to come forward where you don't feel like left out kind of yeah, in a way left out you don't feel like uh, that you should skip over certain things that it's it's like we're going to address it and it's yeah. a very safe safe place to do that and we're going to wrestle on what it looks like and we might not actually come up with a concrete answer mm-hmm. yeah simply by voicing each other's mm-hmm. you know talking about it conversation is unique enough. You know? Yeah. I think um, the, the key word for me and what you just shared um, was the word wonder. Because, I mean, I, I, you know, I feel very fortunate. I feel very blessed. Um, I feel very privileged to be able to look back and, and have that experience in my life um, and to have, a, you know, just sort of a sober account of that in the sense that I can look back and you know, some of those early sermons I still have the notes from because I still have my yeah. Bible. Um, you know, I'm looking at, at a lot of these notes and, and just things that I found really important and I was really passionate about then. I'm not so passionate about now. Yeah. Um, right. You know, I really don't see the whole point of why we need to do a deep dive on the book of Haggai. Um, <laughs> not that I was doing that in 11th grade, but... Um, just I use that as an example to be able to say that you're like you said, Bryant, your your values shift. And I think that was the critical part for that youth group environment that allowed me the space to be who I was in that moment, but also gave me the space to to sow seeds for who I who I am yeah. now. Yeah. Um and that's a that's a really special place to not um, you know, I think a lot of folks, and I know my parents, for to some extent, were, were sort of looking for that cookie-cutter experience of, of what youth ministry should look like. And I can tell you, I mean, it was youth ministry. I, right. at, at that point, I was, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie, there were girls in this youth group. And that's, you know, <laughs> that'll pretty much make a consistent attender out of you. And, and that's why we did the deep dive on Haggai. I was trying to impress them with my knowledge of random biblical authors and books. But, um, Teenage girls want to know that. 
Hagar. The Book of Haggai. You the should go and look. That's the second <laughs> thing people can learn out of it. You know, the yeah, right. <laughs> readership, the Google uh, Googling of the Book of Haggai will suddenly, <laughs> Wikipedia will suddenly spur interest on all this. But, um, you know, having a youth group that allows that space to investigate questions that you're asking now and also sowing the potential for what you will be in later stages of your life is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not Very. a blueprint for the rest of your life. You're going to change. I mean, I, and just in terms of how I became the reverend, I didn't set out to be a reverend at that moment in my life. Right. Um, it just is something that, that grew and adapted and unfolded and continues to unfold. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what that's going to yeah. look like five years from now. So, um, But I trust, and I learned to trust at that early stage in my life, um, and I continue to trust that God is going to be a partner on this journey. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. That was a really good answer. I like that. Yeah. Do I get bonus points? <laughs> yeah, yes. totally. Totally. I mentioned the book of Haggai. Four foxes. Four foxes. Four out of five <laughs> foxes. <laughs> Three Haggai's. So our own, our own point system here. And, and, and ten uh, <laughs> Sharpie marks on the, on the couch. All right. <laughs> Well, we want to thank you for coming on the show. Yes. Thank you, Reverend time. Sam, for coming on the podcast this week. Next week, we'll have Roberto Mancusi. Roberto. The good old Roberto Mancusi. I couldn't fan. say that. Oh, yeah. Is he, what else is he a fan of? Uh, Italian culture. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. Pizza. That, oh, my gosh. St. Louis pizza. Cardinal. I, Daniel's a Cardinals fan. Daniel's I know Daniel's a Cardinals fan. Yeah. I don't know about Roberto himself, but we'll have him on the show next week. We'll have him on the show next week talking about the music industry and much more that he does. So, yeah, and and that's pretty much it for this week. I'm Caden. I'm Brian. I am Sam. Thanks for listening to the conversation from the table. God's peace with you, friends. Have a great week.